0: Welcome back to the Converge Podcast. This is a place where we help you have a Christian worldview in a non-Christian culture. My name's Steve. My name is Nate. And we are both pastors at Village Church. And we're here to help you see where mission and doctrine collide. Again, welcome to the Converge Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about the preaching ministry of Village Church. And so specifically, we're going to try to cover in in a concise manner why we preach the way that we preach.
1: Yep, and so uh, I just counted it up. We just finished fifty three weeks um, in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're not done. We're not done. We're, we're just nowhere d- near, near done. We're through chapter sixteen, which is interesting because fifty three is very close to the amount that Romans was. Yeah, which is sixteen chapters. Uh, but we have taken a break and started a new series called Goals, and so that's going to be a little bit more of a, a topical series, going through some important topics um, that that we feel like we need to preach through for the life of the church. And so using that as a basis to kind of jump off and talk about this topic, I thought it would be great if we talked a little bit because there has been a lot of new folks at the church uh, the last six months or so. Mm -hmm. And I thought it'd be helpful to talk through why do we primarily preach expositorily through scripture? What is that? Mm -hmm. Um, But why are we not pigeonholed to that? Where we do preach topical too. So kind of jump off with that. What is expository preaching?
0: Well, well, first, I do want to cover just the fact that a lot of people do an either-or, whereas expository preaching and topical preaching is. And if you don't know what either of those things are, it's fine. We'll explain it later. But my um, one of my primary roles in the church is the preaching ministry of Village Church, and so I oversee it. And so a lot of it does come out of my philosophy of preaching, uh, because preaching is something that I love. Preaching is something that I enjoy. Um, not a lot of people anymore. Because uh, there was a lot of time uh, in the contemporary church, really in the last century, where being a pastor was synonymous with preaching. And it's not really like that anymore. Um, and, I, and I think that's a healthy thing where you kind of look at pastoral ministry uh, much broader. It's kind mm-hmm. of gauged towards a person's spiritual gifts. And so. Not every pastor needs to be someone who spends a large amount of time preaching or even necessarily enjoys it. Uh, Of course, according to pastoral epistles, you need to be able to teach. And what's fascinating about the pastoral epistles is that when you look at um, Titus and Timothy and all that Paul says to them, the only significant requirement of a pastor that isn't just a good Christian... So for the most part, most of the pastoral qualifications are just this person's an actual Christian. that that's it's this person bears the fruit of being a follower of Jesus. Every Christian should have as his or her goal to reach all of those um requirements. The only one that is different is that ability to teach um, and specifically to teach the Word of God. And that is why expository preaching, is the main drive of the preaching ministry of our church, and it should be the drive of the preaching ministry of any healthy church. And so I necessarily do believe that the Bible points us that if your church only has topical preaching, and so that means whether or not you you never know what's coming next Sunday. And a lot of churches have had this where it's just like, It's a standalone sermon, standalone, completely disconnected. Every week is disconnected Mm -hmm. from the last week. Um, That's not a healthy church. But also, a church that only has topical series. So it's like, you know, we're going from our marriage series to our child-rearing series to our, you know, vision series. And it's just all of these felt needs series. Um, That's not a healthy church. Um, Andy Stanley famously said that he looked at expository preaching as cheating uh, because you depend on the Bible so much. And I would say that's an extremely dangerous philosophy mm-hmm. where preaching is concerned because what you do then is you elevate the creativity of a preacher above the Bible. Yeah, And so you're elevating personal creativity above the Bible. And so that that necessarily – the conclusions that you've got to come to there are pretty – startling because then you're kind of devaluing what the bible is. And so a church necessarily to be healthy has to have at its foundation and as its steady diet expository preaching. And expository preaching simply means exposing the text. That is the the kind of base level definition that you jump off of when you're talking about expository preaching and it begins with so if you're going to have an expository sermon It begins with exegeting the verses that you're covering for their original meaning. And so to exegete something means to take meaning out of the text. If you've ever heard the term eisegesis, it means the opposite. Eisegesis means to put meaning into the text. And so the goal of all Bible study, all proper hermeneutics, is to look at the text and pull meaning out of it that is there. And a lot of people kind of do the opposite where you don't know how to study the Bible, and so you read a verse, it becomes chicken soup for the soul, and all you are is transferring your your lived experience or your current situation in life or a current situation that you're dealing with, you transfer that into the text to try to get inspiration for your specific need. And that's as far as a lot of people go, and that, that is a dangerous ideal. And so in order to properly exegete a text, here's a here's a good list of questions okay. to ask. What does this text or, you know, if you want to call it a verse, what does this verse mean in its original context? And I think that is the overarching goal. And so it doesn't mean what does this verse mean to me? So if you're if you're looking at let's say the book of Matthew like we've been. The apostle Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. So when Matthew wrote it, what did he he mean. Mm -hmm. And so in the way that the Holy Spirit wrote through Matthew, what did it mean to him as he wrote it is where you begin. Then you kind of have to begin to, to break it apart within its meaning, just like you would any other book. What does this verse mean within the chapter that it's in? What does this chapter mean within the context of the whole book? Then you go to, what does this book mean in the context of the entire Bible? Then you have to go to, okay, in that, what does the Bible mean in the context of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so if you follow those guidelines, that's what good exegesis means. And you can take exegesis pretty far, but that's the base root.
1: Yeah, and I want to pick up on something you said earlier, because you can exposit any passage of scripture. So, Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about this in a bit. Even when you're doing topical, you should be expositing Mm -hmm. a passage of scripture. However, the kind of expository preaching that we're really saying should be in the life of the church is one that goes through Ideally, an entire book of the Bible. And the reason for that is uh, one of many reasons for that is that it's going to necessarily bring you to parts of scripture you wouldn't necessarily get to on just your own idea. And then all those things that you just talked about, um, just exposing the meaning of the text, what the author was saying, lots of times that only comes out really when you go through the entire book. And that's something that I've appreciated, you know, that we've had as part of Mm -hmm. Village Church. So, there's ex- there's exposition and then there's exposition of an entire book.
0: Yeah, if if you just exposit, you know, one section of of a verse and then and then you move on. So you never return. Yeah. You're kind of doing a disservice to everybody because within good expository preaching, you are aiding your church in learning the kind of foundational elements of what good Bible study yeah. looks like. Yeah. And so basically what my hope is is that I cover things in such a way Not that I've taught like a seminary-level hermeneutics class, because that's not the format for that. That, That's a classroom, and we'll talk about that in a second too. But it's more so if you walk away from one of my sermons, can you, in your daily devotions, the next time you go to that section, you'll know Mm -hmm. what the author's intent was. You'll know what the author's meaning was. And when you start going through an entire book of the Bible in that format, Well, by the time we're done, you're going to know what the entire book of Matthew is actually about. And so in a discipleship-focused culture, that's valuable. Yeah. And that's good for your people is that your goal has to fundamentally look at, and I think the Great Commission is a great place to start, is we're gospel people. Jesus says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Well, where do you find that? You find that in entire books of the bible and i have seen people who only do topical sermons they will use topical sermons to avoid issues and avoid Mm -hmm. topics that they don't want to cover that they think are going to be controversial that they think is going to offend people when you go through an entire book of the bible at a time you can't do that and it's and it's good for the body of christ to wrestle with specific issues
1: yep uh, I've seen that in the life of our church uh, multiple times in a few ways. One, I've, I've heard from the people of our church, uh, wow, I'm, I'm much more equipped now to study not only this specific book that we've preached through, but it teaches you how to study other books. Mm-hmm. And then to go back to what you were just saying, how many times to, uh, in the life of our church have we've you know, months before set the preaching calendar of going through a book? And we don't know you know, what's going to be happening when we get to this section of Scripture. Um, we didn't pick it necessarily, but then we get there and it's like, wow, I would never have picked this on my own, but yeah. God clearly set this for us in this oh, yeah. time and place. Yeah.
0: When we, we schedule so far in advance, and when you use an entire book of the Bible, it's a little easier to right. schedule far in advance. but when you do that, you are legitimately looking at the Bible and believing in the sufficiency of Scripture. Yeah. You're believing in the authority of Scripture. You're believing 2 Timothy 3 when it says, that, you know, this is going to teach your people. It can do that. Mm-hmm. And we get to certain weeks, and we've either within the church been dealing with a specific issue or culturally yeah, we've been dealing with a specific issue, and it just happens that we land in a section that deals with that specific issue and that wasn't us mm-hmm. that was the providence of god that was the power of the holy spirit that he kind of turned the calendar to deal with it and i think god does that you know because we're being faithful yeah uh, to his word.
1: i think he does it um yeah for that reason and to teach us My word is sufficient, and you need to trust it, and we've seen that over the last 12 years. Another thing that I I know that you're passionate about, so I want to get us there too, is expository preaching also involves application.
0: Absolutely. And it's got to involve application, so talk about that. Some people believe expository preaching is just exegesis. So once you're done with the exegesis, you're done. That's not expository preaching. Expository preaching doesn't happen until you take the exegesis and make life application. And so over the years, we have had some people come in um, who have spent time at a church, and I always love it when people hold me accountable to the (laughs) church they used to go to. It's like, well, you used to go there. You left for a reason. Why would I want to be like those guys? But um, they come in, and they want an academic treatise. They, They want me to intellectually exegete a text, give them the original meaning, show them just some root levels of what Bible mm-hmm. study is all about, but then they want me to stop because they don't want me to make life application. But the key is, is expository preaching goes beyond exegesis to the modern context. Yeah. And so if you go go to the Bible and seek application first, you're going to lose it because you're then going to make the Bible mean a ton of things that it doesn't right. actually mean. But if you never build um, the bridge from what it meant to how to apply it now, you've done everybody a grave disservice. But even then, the bridge has to go beyond what does it mean to out there context, because that's we're very comfortable with using right. the Bible and saying this is what it means to the outside world. But that's not... Healthy, either. It has to eventually get to how does it apply to my life? And so, one aspect of preaching that the Holy Spirit uses when you do faithful expository preaching is that you are going to apply life application issues that get down into what is going on in the lives of the people in the room right there. And that's what you're uncomfortable with is because you don't want to have to change. Expository preaching pursues life change, really, as its ultimate goal. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? What are we doing? We're not just growing smarter. We're not just learning how to treat the Bible like a textbook. We're actually learning what it means to follow Jesus, and so we have to take life. We have to make life application. Um, the gospel serves as the bridge in really the way that the Book of James tells us to. The book of James chapter 2 tells us that faith apart from works is what? It's dead. And so the gospel leads to faith in Jesus and then the works of your life serve as evidence or fruit that that faith is real. And so without life application, we're missing a huge part of the Bible yeah. because the Bible always focuses on the life that you're actually living and interacting with faith in Jesus Christ. And that is one thing that has stood out so much
1: from Matthew is just Mm -hmm. the actual exposition of the text demands application. I mean, Jesus, as he's speaking, he's demanding that you apply this to your life. And so I just don't see how you can do exposition without application. Yeah. If you
0: look at the demands of Jesus, and there's so many imperatives that Jesus makes across the four gospels, if you don't apply those to specific situations in life, and it is necessarily the job of the preacher to try to do that as specific as he possibly can to his church, then you haven't done your job. You you haven't done it. And so you have to look at what is the goal of shepherding people. It's always life change. But even beyond the words of Jesus, if you look at the book of Proverbs, you cannot exegete Proverbs faithfully without life application. Look at the book of Ecclesiastes. I mean, the author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, he wrote most of Proverbs, he wrote all of Ecclesiastes. If you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, there are certain things in Ecclesiastes that you cannot understand apart from life application. And those are just two examples of the entirety of Scripture where it's just like you're going to be lost to the final meaning of a text until you get to the place where you're saying, What does this mean for me right here, right now, with what I'm dealing with in my life?
1: I think in many ways, the application part of the exposition is what makes preaching preaching. I mean, you can have good teaching. That exposits a text, but it's that different in the context of a local church where you're in front of your local people who are, you are shepherding mm-hmm. and you're making application for them. Um, that really is what, what preaching is. And it's that authoritative, this is, this is what the word of God says and we need to change our lives. And I think it's important to understand it's the word of God that's authoritative, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily our application of it. But, and I think this is where a lot of guys uh, get really messed up, is that reality doesn't absolve the pastor, and you were just talking about this, of the responsibility of stepping up and taking the risk to make those tough, specific applications for the local church. Because it is risky. It's risky Absolutely. to make application um but I don't think the pastor is shepherding his block if he's not willing to take that risk and
0: get as specific as he can. Over the, you know, twelve years of Village Church and I've you know, what have I preached ninety percent of the sermons over the last twelve years, mm-hmm. but over the last twelve years there have been two examples that I can think of off the top of my head where I've point blank after I've preached, gotten off the stage, people have been saying goodbye to me on the way out, I've been i I've been accused of, of preaching at someone, because they said that my application was so specific that I must have known what's going on in those and they were angry with yeah. me, because they were like, how dare you? And both times, I'm just like, I had no idea what's going on in your life. How could I know what's going on in life? Nor, and, and, and don't take this the wrong way, nor do I care enough about you <laughs> to preach. In front of hundreds of people and only cater it to one person. And what people don't understand is that's the work of the Holy Spirit. When you're faithful to the text, my prayer every single Sunday morning before I hit the stage is, God, I pray that I'm not up there under my own power. I pray that I'm not speaking under my own power. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use the words to change lives today. My goal is is not to wow you with my you know with my exegetical prowess. My goal is to see the spirit change lives. That's my goal. A sermon should not be so inspirational because some people just mm-hmm. want to come to church and they just want you to inspire them with the life that they're already living. And so they're discouraged about the life that they're already living. And so they come to church and they say, I want to be inspired to keep going. Well, the problem with that is a sermon shouldn't be so inspirational that it only inspires you to keep going with things as is. It should be convicting to the point where you're actually seeing, I can't keep going as is and be a faithful follower yeah. of Jesus, I need to repent of this sin, I need to change my perspective on this thing, and I need to live differently so that I can ensure I'm following Jesus. But it also shouldn't be so convicting that you only feel guilt and shame. And so if every Sunday you, ju- you just feel yeah. like just, just a piece of trash, well, it could be one of two things. Could be that you're a piece of trash uh, and you just need to change everything in your life. And I never want to leave that out of the realm of possibility because there are some people they're just literally living their lives wrong. And the Holy Spirit, when they're confronted with the Word of God, is just going to continuously say change everything. Mm-hmm. But it could also be a flaw in the preaching strategy, right. you know, and, and we've seen a lot of that go on in modern era. It should always lead you to treasuring Jesus. And so guilt and shame do have a place. You know, Paul says in the original language to the Corinthian church, I say this to your shame. He says this a couple of times. And so people that say there's no place for shame, that's unbiblical. The Bible uses shame to change lives. But if that's all you have, you haven't done an expository sermon. You use guilt and shame the biblical way, that conviction should lead you to treasuring jesus because of the redemption that he offers from the sin that gives you guilt and shame but it should also lead you to live by faith it should lead you to make the changes that need to change so that your life can be dictated by faith
1: yeah i heard you say many times uh, preaching is meddling <laughs> and
0: I, I think that's an important thing to to be okay with yeah you if, if you're going to be a preacher you know you, number one you're going to be criticized because uh, you know the the larger your churches uh the more people that are out there that that are they gonna that are gonna be there for false motives and just want to criticize you and so you get a fair amount of criticism but you've just got to be okay with being criticized but the key is that to be a preacher requires a backbone mm-hmm. it, it requires conviction it requires that you believe that there is a reality that God has created, and being faithful to that reality is more important than the applause of man. And so you have to in you have to go up there, and you have to put it out there, and you have to say what the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, wants you to say. And then you have to, in one sense, let the chips fall where they will. But I also don't want to go so far as to... Kind of, if you're a young person that wants to preach, mm-hmm. that some people use, well, I just got to let the chips fall where they yeah. may to excuse uh, poor preaching. Right. Uh, sometimes the reason that people aren't responding well to your preaching isn't because you're so convicting. Yeah. Sometimes it's just because you're not a good preacher. Um, and sometimes that's because it's just not your thing. You're not talented at it. Um, so it, it, my thing is if you can't live a normal life during the week and preach on Sunday morning, then you shouldn't be a preacher. Um, some people they have such stage fright, they get so nervous that it makes them physically ill, and so we, if they were to try to preach on a normal basis, then it would literally cause health problems in their life. I wouldn't recommend that person have a preaching ministry because I think God's probably calling you to another form of pastoral ministry. But also, if your preaching never has any good results, yeah, like if 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 people don't ever want to hear you (laughs) if you can't come up with an outline you know if you if you struggle um to read your bible study your bible you struggle to look at a text and see the sermon points if you struggle to to uh to fear well if i say this it's gonna you know it could be controversial or if i say this somebody could get mad at me you probably shouldn't preach but it's also this thing where you have to be committed to having a style of preaching that does do that thing. Because at Village Church, we always say, we're creating a comfortable atmosphere mm-hmm. so that people will hear an uncomfortable message. Well, that doesn't just end with comfortable seating and nice lights and air conditioning and you know beautiful scenery. Yep. Your style is also gonna make people comfortable so yeah. that you're going to hit them with some hard convicting stuff. And so it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. It takes a lot of effort. I spend a a lot of time um, writing mm-hmm. sermons. When and when I write, it's like, how, how is this going to sound? You know, how am I going to say this? You know, and and I do. You know, the, there's there's a two fields of thought on this, but I think humor um, is important in preaching because it it's, it puts people at ease, yeah. um, especially when you when you're self deprecating to a degree. But um, if if you can't do those things. Um, then you're not letting the chips fall where they will. You're just not a good preacher or you're lazy. Yeah. There's wisdom
1: in being careful in that because I would would say definitely got to be comfortable meddling, got to be comfortable in the application. But if you're just going up there – just making people mad every week that's not you're not wise and that's not right. a helpful kind of meddling there does yeah. needs to be um a wise carefulness in the application and the other thing that i would say is you know when we're talking about application we're admitting that we're fallen human beings and we're not going to get application one hundred percent right, but we still need as passers, to take the risk to make that application. Right. That being said, if you're getting application wrong all the time, oh, yeah. this is not the job for you. You're, yeah, you're not you're, qualified. I'll tell you, to you're you're,
0: you're gonna you're gonna. It's like a punter in the NFL or a field goal kicker. You're going to go wide right and wide, you know, wide left sometimes, and you're going to miss the uprights. Um, but if you're missing the uprights every time you preach, it's it's just possible that yeah. that the Sunday morning atmosphere or that environment isn't for you. Maybe your gifting is small group Bible study. Maybe your gifting is just leading a you know small uh, group of people. And so there's an art to it.
1: Yeah, let's talk about topical sermons, okay? Because. We do feel pretty strongly here at Village. that There is a place for that. Absolutely. I I have seen churches that are just committed to, if you do anything but go through books of the Bible exclusively, you're kind of in error. And we don't think that's true because there is a place for pastors using wisdom to speak to the specific
0: needs of the church. Expository preaching should be looked at as the main meal. Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking at a really fine dinner where it's multiple courses, the main course is the expository sermon. Topical sermons, I think, uh, could be looked at as the appetizer or the dessert. Right. You know, th- this is where, as a pastor, uh, you you kind of teach your people, in a sense, where you're you're a good shepherd, and a good shepherd keeps his ear to the flock and sees either A, issues that are going on inside of the church at that time, and that's a topical series. Where it's like, man, my church is struggling through, you know, how to define a church. My church is struggling through, man, we got so many marriages that are in trouble. Or, man, we got we got a ton of young families and they need some parenting help. Or it could, you know, it could be that you're in a season, and this is where we are with goals right now. It's like I wanted I wanted to cast vision for where we wanted our people to go. I wanted mm-hmm. to be deadly specific and say, If you're going to grow in your faith and Village Church is going to grow in accomplishing its task of helping as many people as possible um, 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 form fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, making disciples, then you're going to need these things Mm -hmm. going on in your life. These need to be your goals. And so a good shepherd addresses those issues. A good shepherd looks at the culture at large and says, what is culture dealing with? Um, and what's hitting our people from outside? Okay. What are some attacks that are coming against the church that are spiritual warfare oriented or just, you know, culturally specific where apologetics are concerned? And that is where a topical series should come from. Um, and so we have to understand that topical sermons are a way in which also we endure through entire books of the Bible. And this is where, you know, some yeah. people I heard uh, a long time ago, um, John Piper, who's all, of course, you know, I love, I love Dr. Piper and I love his preaching, um, but he spent nine years <laughs> in the Book of Romans. Yeah. Now they did that in a Sunday night environment, but it took them nine years. Most people don't have that endurance. They don't. They don't have. Uh, we have a very, you know, quick culture that you wants know, instant gratification. They microwave dinner a lot of times, and so the focus of people just doesn't always stay with it. And so when we're going through a book like Matthew, we've already done three parts, yep. and so to engage people where they are, we take breaks and do topical series. And so we finished Matthew 16, and I knew um, when we started part three of Matthew, I wanted to get through at least chapter 16, but then I was like, we gotta take a break, and we gotta give people something fresh. And I just think that is helpful for people uh, to kind of keep their attention. But this is a responsibility of shepherding. Effective shepherding is knowing how to wield the preaching calendar to keep your people right. kind of paying attention to keep them understanding that that you know there there's a large bible here and we're not going to get through all of it at this point in time it's going to take us a while so let's address some of the 15,000 foot issues yeah. for 5 or 6 weeks and then we can jump back into a 15, 16, 17 or 20 week sometimes we'll do that right. 20 week series that's going through a large portion of a book of the Bible. And so your preaching calendar, if, if you want to be a young preacher, you need to understand it should never be so rigid mm-hmm. that you cannot plan towards topical series. I'm always trying to plan towards a topical series to address a specific issue, um, but it's also helpful to do topical series for evangelistic reasons. Um, a topical series gives you a way Um, to kind of look at the culture around you and say, hey, we're starting a new series right here. This would be a great time to jump in. Just five or six weeks. Give us a chance to give give you the gospel. It's good for your people to give them an easy way to evangelize their neighbors, give them an easy way to invite their neighbors to church. But it's also helpful and even necessary to use a topical series to address those specific discipleship applications um, that people are dealing with right here and right now because culture changes to the extent with the speed but if you don't take a break, if you don't do a topical series, you'll miss it. Yeah.
1: Clearly, we, <clears throat> we disagree with the view you mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, the view that expository preaching is cheating or it's lazy. Like That's not true. It's not cheating. It's not lazy. It takes a Bible lot of work. If you study
0: is, is lazy, you've <laughs> yeah. never studied the Bible. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot of work involved in it. But the tiny sliver of truth, and I almost don't even want to give it that much, but the tiny sliver of truth there is pastors do have a responsibility, I think, to shepherd their people well in uh, highlighting areas that the culture is pressing in on them and that they need some biblical defense for. And so that can happen in many ways. It can happen with a, a topic that some topics just need to be addressed regularly, yeah. like, and this isn't going to be so interesting, but discipleship. Right. Now, that will come up as you pre- ed- preach exegetically uh, through scriptures, mm-hmm. but it is healthy and good for a church to kind of get a refresher on those things um, more often. The other thing is your topical series should be quite doctrinal. And and that's, so I do take issue if all your topical series are just self-help focused. Like, you know, here's a series on five ways to have uh, better relationships. Here's a series on seven ways to help your finances. There's ways to do those topics that Mm -hmm. are a little bit more doctrinally informed. And so topical series still end up being
0: exegesis of text. I've always had the philosophy that if you do, like, let's say you're doing a topical series on marriage. And you walk away from that sermon only knowing how to behave in such a mm-hmm. way that you'll be a better wife or only yeah. knowing how to behave in such a way that you'll be a better husband. You have not heard a sermon. You've right. heard a self-help uh, speech. Right? The gospel makes you a better wife. The gospel makes you a better husband. And so even topical series must be text-driven so that in that series, you're still doing expository work. Yeah. You're not going through an entire book of the Bible. You're getting a snapshot. You're getting a small picture of what's going on in the book as a whole, but you're still going through a text. Yeah. Um, Even if you're going through multiple texts um, and and you're proof texting, which isn't always a bad thing to do, even when you're doing that, the people still walk away saying, this is what that text means. Yeah. You're not just arbitrarily uh, plugging verses in to prove your point. Right. And for people that do topical series almost exclusively, what I see them doing is only promoting behavior modification, not, not promoting real gospel change. Yeah. And that's why uh, that you just have to keep going back to your creativity board and trying to get something more provocative, right. you know, trying to add elements that that you know appease the masses because what you win them with is necessarily what you're going to keep them with, and so if yeah. you win them with nothing but. Self help. Well, that's yeah. there's your preaching ministry. Yeah, you're just doing self help every week, and you never really get a gospel centered culture. Yeah,
1: I think the, the most important place for a topical series is the topics of the New Testament. Absolutely. Because in, and I say this unashamedly, we are a New Testament church, and so yeah. there are just certain things like you know things you pull out of Ephesians about what the church is that that you just need to get to more often than um, just uh, week-by-week, verse-by-verse series would lend to, and that's where it really does help the life of the church.
0: Yeah, and that's a good good place to point out the necessary tension of preaching a topical sermon series, because topical series are challenging because it requires that tension of still being expository sermons. And so sermons must begin with a biblical framework in mind. That's where, again, you go back to the sufficiency and Mm -hmm. authority of the Bible. If it's just, I have a good idea, and I don't know where it's in the Bible, uh, (laughs) but I'm going to run with this good idea, and hopefully the Bible catches up with my idea. Um, You got to make a course correction very, very fast, because you can have, I can have ideas that aren't biblical. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm I'm still corrupt, you know. Yeah. I'm in the process of sanctification. I'm not fully sanctified. I'm not fully set apart for the work of the Lord. There's still sin in me that I'm repenting of, and so my ideas can just be hubris, you know. My ideas can just be ego driven, and so that's why when you know certain guys they do topical series for so long, and they're these these creative geniuses. Ultimately, within you know ten years, they go off the rails yeah. and they start getting into heresy, and they start promoting false doctrine, and, and it's just an unhealthy way to live that points to, I believe my ideas are elevated above the sufficiency of Scripture. You can never get to that point. Sermons have to begin with that biblical framework in mind, and topical sermons must still be um, textually driven, must still be driven by a biblical framework that requires good exegesis. Yep for proper application. It's not wrong to begin with an application in mind. That's fine. Beginning with the end in mind is a natural revelation that just works because it's good. But if you can't get there in a biblical framework, then the end that you have in mind or the application that you have is probably a bad application. And pastors can get there. You know, if you just want to wield your authority over the church to get something for yourself. And unfortunately, we've seen that in the history of the church. We've, we've unfortunately seen a lot of disasters take place where pastors just get so ego-driven that it's like, well, I need people to do this for my ministry and for, for you know what I want. And it's just like, well, what about what God wants? Yeah. Maybe your application should be more biblically-based than they currently are. Yeah. And so topical sermons filter human ideas through the Bible. Every idea I have has to be filtered through the Bible. But here's the key. That's just a good rule for life. Mm -hmm. Every idea that anyone has about anything should be filtered through the Bible. (laughs) And that's where we get things wrong. There is a human element to every sermon. Even when I'm doing just uh, going through an entire book of the Bible, there's a human element to every sermon. Right. There's an idea that I have about every single sermon. There's a place that I think I should go with every single sermon. But the problem with all topical is that it depends solely on human ideas. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, you have to understand that like right now when we're doing goals, if you look at you know and, and you know we're just releasing them week by week, but the whole the whole series is, is planned out and and we'll be halfway, I think over halfway through when this podcast drops but um if you look at every vision statement that we have in there every single one of them is rooted in a text of scripture yeah every single one of them is a biblical ideal every single vision is from the scriptures when i was going through and we were going through really a church planter training and they talked a lot about vision statements guys were coming up with vision statements and being as creative as they possibly could and one of the struggles that i always had and i would always retort to our trainers and i think i got on their nerves But I told them there is no more compelling vision than the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. What's the vision for our church? The book of Acts. That's the vision for our church. I want to see people who are radically committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ through the body of Christ in order to follow Christ. That's the most compelling vision, and I didn't come up with it. God did. And he wrote it through men where? In a sufficient scripture. The Bible's the foundation for all preaching.
1: Absolutely. And all those cautions that you just gave on topical sermon preaching, I think, to bring us full circle is why we are very committed that our primary diet needs to be um, verse by verse yeah. through uh, books of the Bible. Because if, if you get off track there and just slowly, slowly reduce that... Uh, percentage of your diet. It, it's so easy to get into so many of the things that you just cautioned about of, of starting to think I need to come up with a, a new topic that just, you know, really hits my people where they they need to be right now It it's so easy to drift into that and i think the best guide for not drifting into that is to be committed as we have been over the last 12 years to yeah. verse by verse um submit our church and ourselves um to the word of god and that really is true for our lives too you yeah. know
0: and it also it helps you not have to depend on your self yeah there's a great peace and comfort every single Sunday that I have mm. knowing that when I go up there, this isn't just me. Mm-hmm. This is the Word of God. This isn't just my ideas. These aren't just my applications. These come directly yeah. from mm-hmm. the Scriptures. And and that's why I'm okay most of the time with criticism. And it's not that I can't be justly criticized. Over the years, there have been adjustments I've had to make where i would be like, oh, yeah. You know, some of that criticism's right. The other pastors come to me and they like, they criticize certain things. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But I'm comfortable with criticism because I've given every effort that I possibly can every single week that my sermon is coming straight from the Bible, and that is really very comforting. It gives mm-hmm. you a lot of peace, and that's what I want to promote in the life of our church. That's what I want to guide people to living their lives under. It's like finding God's will. Well, when you live your life according to Scripture, you can really do whatever you want because you're going to be obeying Jesus in whatever you do. And so that's how you should preach, and that's that's what guides me for preaching. Well, guys, thank you so much uh, for joining us for this episode of the Converge podcast. If you have... A topic uh, or, or a theological question that you want us to cover on an episode, please send us an email at ask at villagechurchrva.com. And we would love to have an episode uh, catered towards any of those questions, any of those topics that you would like us to cover. But as always, thank you so much leave a five-star review um, on whatever platform you are streaming us through. Maybe write a few sentences for a review because that will aid us to broaden the reach of this podcast. And that is a great way for you to say thank you for all of the hard work that we uh, put into this. But as always, thank you so much. Be blessed.